I think I have. By the way, good morning. It's nice to have a, 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 one, one of our uh, special guests this morning, or both of them, is uh, Jules Ostrander and Lynette, his lovely wife, that are back in the corner there. Heidi's dad and mom, Brock's uh, in-laws. Pray for Brock, right? So, no, it's just great. Um, Jules ministered here back in July. Was it this last July? Gosh, time goes by in a hurry, doesn't it? So uh, he's an evangelist working in the oil fields in North Dakota, and uh, he's got an amazing story. By the way, his book, there's a book that his autobiography is in our, on our bookshelf if you want to check that out. It's an amazing read. It's, uh, it's a they should have made the movie. So, <laughs> really. So. so do you want to say greetings or anything? Okay. He's just here to enjoy, enjoy family, so I didn't want to put him on. John 14, what's that say? Yes, yeah. I think it's starting. I do. Oh, thank you, Lord. All right, this morning we are continuing in a series where we're going through all the major themes in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation in, in a year. And uh, tonight, or this morning, we're going to be talking about the exodus from Egypt. And isn't it cool that uh, Francisco and our worship team led us in a song called Egypt, all about that exodus. So the first thing we're going to do is watch a video, and Brett's going to turn the camera off so we can do that. So are you guys ready? We've been doing what's called the Bible Engagement Project, and it is fun. If you have a cell phone, you can get the app for that, and you can watch the video at home. Go ahead, Dale. Every year I take a trip to South Dakota pheasant hunting with my dad. We've been doing it for years. The drive is long, so we usually leave early in the morning, but I never have trouble getting up. Usually I have a hard time staying asleep. I look forward to that trip all year, and I always find myself anxious and ready to go. You probably know that feeling. That mix of excitement and anxious nerves. A big trip, a big game, a big meeting. It's a strange mix of expectation and uncertainty. That destination still ahead of you, consuming your mind and your imagination. Can you imagine what Israel must have felt as they picked up their belongings, strapped the loads down to their carts and backs, and took their first steps down that road, headed east, the sun still rising ahead of them, the anticipation of that new land and a new life just out there on the horizon. The Bible calls the story the Exodus, For generations, hundreds of years, Israel had been subjected to slavery in Egypt. 
but God brought Moses to prophetically declare their freedom. It had not come easily. God put on display the power of his authority. He brought Egypt and its Pharaoh to their knees, and finally they submitted to God's command, let my people go. So Israel began their exodus out of Egypt, but ahead of them was wilderness, a vast stretch of desert. Beyond that, the land God had promised to their forefather Abraham. That land was a new identity, a new way of living, a new future. That view represents so much of life. We all look ahead to what we hope is the fulfillment of a promise, knowing that a wilderness lies between that place and where we are. And we are still filled with excitement for the journey. We read in Exodus 13, So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. It had to have been a remarkable scene. The excitement, the anticipation, the miraculous cloud and fire. But it all came to a sudden stop. Just as Israel reached the edge of the Red Sea, the sounds of Egyptian chariots began to build behind them. Pharaoh had changed his mind. He would not let the Israelites go. Chaos began to spread. The Israelites began to cry out in fear. Exodus records, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Pressed between the advancing Egyptian army and the edge of the sea, they were trapped and terrified. Gone was that excitement for the journey. Gone was any sense of promised land. Gone were those songs of worship and their vision of God. Their eyes were filled with fear. This too is life. To find our dreams dashed against the rocks, taken by an unjust hand. How quickly we too panic and break from one another, from the promise, and from God. But Moses' response is amazing. Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Maybe the scene is familiar to you. God commanded Moses to lift his hands over the waters and miraculously the seas parted, revealing a path of dry ground between the waves. Israel passed through and just as they reached the far side, Moses again lifted his hands and the waters collapsed onto the advancing Egyptian army. Israel had been delivered. There's so much in this story that inspires and challenges our faith. Our God was and is a God of deliverance. But maybe the heart of this story is a simple realization. Israel's journey was not initiated or rescued by their planning. The journey was initiated by God's deliverance. 
who they were was not defined by where they were going. Who they were was defined by the God who had delivered them. They were God's people by the power of his hand. That story of the Exodus becomes our story. It is the story of every person who, in that moment of fear, calls out to God and discovers that he is a God who delivers. It's the story of those who, by humility and astonishment, realize that their path is not their plan, but his deliverance. And like Israel, we are forever marked by that deliverance we have received. God delivers his people, guides his people, blesses his people, and all those who choose to follow become his. Listen. Wow. Powerful video this morning. Thank you, Lord. I just want to welcome those that might be watching online this morning, too. We have both Facebook and YouTube video um, feeds and, and post these sermons each week. And again, um, we have outlines. If you didn't get one or needed one, Lola's passing them out. If you don't have a, a smartphone and want to follow on your phone on the app, you can do that. So, so this morning we're going to look. We've, we, last week we talked about Moses and how God prepared him and then now Moses has gone through with the children of Israel through the, the plagues in Egypt, culminating in the plague where the, the firstborn of uh, male of every family uh, died in the night. And what God did is he prepared and protected his people through what we call the Passover, which the Jews have been celebrating ever since. And uh, in Exodus chapter 12, we read about that, that, that they were told to, to take a perfect lamb and to, to, at a certain time of the day, with their family gathered, they would kill the lamb and they would put some of its blood on the sides of their doorposts and across the top. And then the Lord told them that when the death angel came through the land to bring judgment against the gods of Egypt and against those who had rebelled against God, Pharaoh and his, his people, that they would be protected because the, when the angel saw the blood, he would pass over them. So this morning, I guess the first thing I want to ask and get, get you start thinking about, have you experienced the Passover? Have you experienced what it is to have your sins forgiven? to have God's judgment turned away from you. Because if we don't receive and have that precious blood of Jesus over our lives, that God begins to look through the blood to see us, then His wrath for our rebellion, our independence, our sins, our wickedness, we will have to bear that ourselves. That doesn't work too good. Because none of us will ever be able to stand before God based on our own merits. And so we <laughs> grateful for the blood, blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, Israel is called to leave after the Passover, and they, they all go out marching. I think it was 600,000 men plus women and children. That's why they think it's 
between one and a half and two million people. And they, they, get, they start heading out, and they're heading towards the edge of the, where, the Red, where the Red Sea kind of cuts down into a river, and then they were going to go up there, and the, and the straight road to the Promised Land is, goes up through the Gaza Strip, where the Philistines lived. But it was only like an 11-day journey to get to the promised land that way. But as they go, all of a sudden, we read that God, and we're going to get to this in a second, God tells them, no, I want you to turn back a little ways and, and kind of head back down alongside the Red Sea. So here's a question. Have you ever been in what seemed like an impossible situation only to be rescued in an unexpected way? Because when they get down to that part of the sea, I know Pharaoh gets a message. You know, they're wandering around out there. They're milling around like they don't know what they're doing. God has told them to do this. And so Pharaoh changes his mind and goes, I don't want to lose my free slave labor. And he sends his army out. And, and as the movie mentioned, the video mentions, the army, they hear the chariots coming. They're in an impossible situation have you ever been in a situation like that may not be as dramatic or as huge as that but I bet if we each thought about it we'd think of a situation Brooke and I one time took my little red Ford Ranger this is about 15 years ago or so and we decided we'd go up into the mountains the wilderness of central Oregon and we went we got up we drove about 50 miles up the Rogue River, first of all, and then we turned off and we, um, we, uh, we went up a, a road, a Forest Service road. It was paved, thank God. We went up about 15 miles and we're going uphill and all of a sudden my truck starts cutting out. <laughs> I'm going, Lord, what's going on here? So I, I pulled over, kind of a wide spot, and then there was a cliff that went down to a creek down below. And, um, and, and I... I stopped it because it was just kind of cutting out, and then I tried starting it. It wouldn't start. I tried starting it. I waited 15 minutes, tried starting it. It wouldn't start. We realized we were stuck, and we were in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it was wilderness. We hadn't seen a single vehicle in at least an hour. And so we're sitting up there on the side of the road, and we just stopped and prayed and said, Jesus, we're not alone. You're there. What do we do, God? We're, we're stuck. And um, it wasn't five minutes later, we hear a noise. Here comes a forest service truck coming down the road. And he pulled in and said, what's going on with you guys? We said, our, our, our vehicle stopped, and there's, I don't know what's wrong with it. I've checked everything. I can't figure out why it won't run. And he goes, he says, this is really interesting because he says, I wasn't supposed to be here today. He says, he said, I just, for some reason, I realized I just wanted to go up and check something up the, up the roadways that I had done some work on a, a week or so ago. And, and I, I don't know why, but I just I decided to go up this road today. He said, if I hadn't done that, you might have been here for days. And so he, um, uh, he called a wrecking. He had a, a two-way radio. He called a wrecker. My cell phone wouldn't work from that distance. Called a wrecking, and it took the guy three hours to get to us with a tow truck and, and towed our truck all the way back down to Roseburg, Oregon. They later on found out that there was a, 
um, on the fuel pump sensor that tells your truck that it's empty, so it turns off the electric fuel pump, it had a wire that was not correct and it had overheated. It told my truck that it was empty, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't run the fuel pump, electric fuel pump. And uh, they found it, it was warranted and got it repaired. But the thing is, is that we were between a rock and a hard place, and God provided. He brought a ranger who was our deliverer in that sense, even though God was the real deliverer. When I was a youth pastor in Ketchikan, Alaska, this is going way back to about 1978-79, and uh, when I first got up there, I met um, a couple named Larry and Joanna. Larry um, had been uh, in Vietnam, and one day we were hanging out. I think it was a church picnic or something, and I, I just said, tell me a little bit about something about your, your, your service experience in Vietnam. And he said, well, he said, I was a pilot of one of those Huey helicopters, you know, the kind with the big cross on them that they would go in and rescue, the pet medevac the wounded out from the battles. And he said, um, he said there was a group of soldiers that were involved and got ambushed by the Viet Cong, and they were pinned down, and, and there were a number of wounded. And uh, because they were so, um, there was so much fire coming in, mortars, machine guns, everything, none of the, they, our, our, my superiors basically said, don't go in there. You can't get these guys out. You'll just be shot down if you do. And he said, he said I, I, I knew Jesus, and I, I began to pray, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to go. So he said, I got my helicopter with my, my co-pilot, and he said, we, we went in. We went in low. We tried to stay out of it. And he said, we, we got in there. We got down, and we got these guys loaded in. And we, we, we rose up to take off, and he said, I took a mortar round uh, through, and it hit my helicopter. He said, I didn't know what was going on. He says, I, we were up in the air, and he said, all of a sudden, the oil pressure went down to zero. We still had, you know, 15, 20 minutes to get back to where these guys needed to be taken. And he said, um, he said I prayed and said, Jesus, you're my deliverer. Get us out. He said, we flew a helicopter with no oil pressure for 30 minutes. He said, we landed, and he said, I got out, and I began to inspect my helicopter. There was a hole this big through the rotor shaft. That's the shaft that holds the helicopter propeller. He said, it was impossible physically for that machine to fly. He said, said, I know God is real. In Exodus chapter 3, God had promised Moses from the burning bush that he was going to raise his hand against the Egyptians, strike them with these plagues because Pharaoh kept hardening his heart. And then the final, after the final plague, Pharaoh said, get out of here. I never want to see you again. And Moses said, you're never going to see us again. <laughs> and so they take off, and as we talked about, then Pharaoh realizes, I just gave away a free labor force, 600,000 men to build my pyramids. And so he sent his, his army and pinned the people up against the Red Sea. I'm not going to read the scriptures word for word. Go ahead and go to the next slide, Dale. So, so God used my friend Larry to get out a bunch of pinned down soldiers. He used the forest ranger 
to deliver Brooke and I and our truck. Can you think of someone God's used in your life when you were in a desperate situation? We love to watch the uh, TV series, The Chosen. And the cool thing is, is it's free for anybody who wants to watch it because it's crowdfunded. And uh, in the first season, the first, the first episode, we meet Mary Magdalene. And again, The Chosen is biblical stories where they fill in all the blanks with fiction. So they give you all these backstories and everything, but they don't, they don't um, contradict or go against Scripture at all. They just kind of help it become real because they fill it in as a fiction, the fictional story part of it. And we meet Mary Magdalene, and she has been, um, in the story anyway, in the fictional part is that her father died when she was a little girl, but he poured God's word into her later on. I don't know what else happened, but she became a prostitute. And we do know that, um, according to Scripture, that may have been the case. And we also are told that she had Jesus cast seven unclean spirits out of her. So we know that she was very demonized. And in the, in, the, in, the, in the series, The Chosen, at a certain point after she's made an at- a suicide attempt that God has brought her back from, so she didn't complete that, um, she meets Jesus. And Jesus calls her by name. And she, he, he, pray, he touches her and casts the spirits out of her, and she's freed. And later on, she meets a Pharisee, in this case in The Chosen, it's Nicodemus. And he says, Mary, what happened to you? You are so different. You're radiant. And she says this, this line is one of the most quoted lines. She says, I don't know. All I know is I was one way. Now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Jesus is a deliverer. He is a deliverer. He is your deliverer if you let him. So anyway, I was telling you that God led them in an unusual way, an unexpected route, to go back along the sea, the Red Sea. And uh, there's the next slide, I think, is a map. Yeah, there it is. And if you look, they started up here in the top left at Ramses, where there are a lot of pyramids. And they're heading down by Succoth is where they first stopped, and they thought they were just going to cross there and start heading up to the Promised Land, which is just up the coastline. You see where it says Philistines up by Gaza? That's where they were going to go. But we read in Scripture that God didn't want them to go that direction because he knew they'd end up being in battles right away, and he didn't want them to get turned back and go back to Egypt because of the warfare. So he sends them down along the Red Sea, it, that, that funny name, Pi Haherot, and uh, that's where they stop, and that's when the Egyptians go, they don't know what they're doing. Let's get them back. Let's get our, let's get our slave labor back. And so they, that's where Pharaoh comes, and they're pinned up against the Red Sea. An unexpected route. God put them, isn't this strange, in, a, in an, an unusual, vulnerable place where he knew there was nothing they could do. They could not.
provide for themselves. He put them in a place of weakness. Now think about your life. Have you ever been in a place of weakness? You just, there was nothing you could do to deliver yourself. Some of you are there today, this morning. Obviously, Sam, that we just prayed for, with a daughter that's, that just got cancer surgery, with difficulties here and there, and she's been battling her own health issues and things like that. She's in a place of weakness. But let's not worry about Sam. Let's think about us. How about you? You ever been in that place where you couldn't do anything and you felt like you're in free fall? But God. But God. The day that um, Brooke and I were managing the International Student House at the University of Washington and I woke up this day, this infamous day, someone had broken into my truck, canopy, broke the window, stole $1,500, $2,000 worth of hand tools, electrical tools, power tools. The only thing he hadn't taken was a sawzall because it was underneath a door. All my tools were gone. I ran a home remodeling repair business. I worked for a huge property management company in the Seattle, uh, the Queen Anne Hill area of Seattle. So I thought, well, I'm going to go to work. I may have to buy a tool today or three just to get the jobs done that I need to do. I go into the office, and uh, the manager said, oh, by the way, um, here's your last check. We hired somebody else to do all those accounts. <laughs> I went home to Brooke and said, well, I've lost all my tools, and I've lost all my job. I said, uh, it's time for us to pray. And we prayed together. The next morning we went to church, and... Um, I just said, God, you're going to have to do something. There's nothing I can do. I, th we had bills coming in that we couldn't pay. And uh, I was at church, and a guy walked up to me that I didn't really know, named Mike. Mike said, hey, um, by any chance, are you looking for work? And I said, yes, I am looking for work. And he said, hey, I know of a guy, and, and he gave me this guy's name and number. His name is Jeff. gave me his number and says, these people are looking for somebody that can do a lot of handy construction type stuff. And I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. We went home, and I called Jeff right away. And he called me for an interview. And um, a week later, I was working for a company making twice as much as I was making before. I had an office on the water in, in Seattle and in the harbor. And I was in charge of uh, um, finishing off during the one-year warranty period six, um, five or six um, six-story condominium buildings. And then after we did that for a year, I went on to help build other buildings and stuff for a commercial builder in Seattle. And, uh, but the feeling of being totally unable to help myself and then see God step in. God intentionally allows us to get into a fix that we can't fix. And it's because He wants us to turn to Him so He can rescue us and He will get glory. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? Good, I think we're hitting home here. Thank you, Lord. This is a lesson that I've got to continuously deepen and strengthen in me because I get as freaked out as anybody else when I get into another 
impossible situation. And God sometimes, you know, we, we, hear, we hear that quoted uh, from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, uh, that, that God will never give us more than we can handle, right? right? And I saw a meme that says, man, God must think I'm really something because he believes I can really handle a lot. So some of you might have seen that meme. It uses language that I won't um, repeat here, but uh, it's kind of funny anyway. So anyway, we see that Pharaoh has pursued them in Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 through 9. I'm not going to read the verses. You can read them on the screen there if you don't have your phone out. By the way, another cool thing about the Bible Engagement Project app, anytime you see a scripture on there or on the sermon notes, you can click on it and it immediately pops up so you don't have to have a, a paper Bible with you. But, or you can just use that and use a paper Bible. And that's kind of a cool thing they do. So God tells, uh, he's told Moses, basically, we're going to, uh, I'm going to judge the gods of Egypt because Pharaoh still wouldn't recognize who God was. And so the, he reached a point of hardening his heart um, where God said, that's, this is the end of it. And so as they close in on Israel, backed up against the, the Red Sea, the people look up and, and in great faith they say, Oh Lord, you must really have something amazing planned for us, right? Is that what they say? <laughs> no, they, they, they attack their pastor. Moses, you idiot, what have you done? Why did you bring us here? Does God hate us? Don't laugh. I mean, maybe we've said something similar, right? When everything was falling apart. It's easy to blame whoever helped get us into the situation, whether it's your pastor, your boss, your mom or dad, or, and God. They cried out to the Lord and said to Moses, why did you make us leave Egypt? As if they hadn't agreed to go. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. So you could see that they had real vision for what was going to happen to them. Moses told the people, don't be afraid. This is in the Bible over 360 times, over 365 times. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you're never going to see again. At least not alive. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. So what did the Lord tell them their part was? Don't be afraid. Stand still. Good. And one more. Stay calm. The three things that are probably the hardest things to do when we're in a desperate situation. Last week we talked about Jesus saying to us, come unto me. All you who labor and are heavy laden or overburdened, carrying the weight of the world on you, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, which is a yoke for two oxen, right? And Jesus put the heavy end on him. He wants us to be yoked to him. In other words, he wants us to be an intimate, close fellowship and relationship with him. 
put my yoke on and learn of me, for I am humble of heart, meek, and lowly. He says, and you will find rest for your souls. Some of us this morning in this tough place we're in, God is saying, I want to teach you who I am and want to be for you. But you're going to have to stop squirming and fighting and trying to get out in your own strength. You have to stop kicking and screaming, complaining, and press into me, believing that I care and that I am powerful and I can rescue you. The next thing does is God says, all right. He tells Moses what to do. Tells the people now, start following Moses. Exodus 14, verses 19, starting at verse 19. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. Now what was at the rear of the camp? The army that was coming at them. Now, first of all, The angel of the Lord moved from being in front of them to the rear of the camp. Any of you kind of would like to go, I would have loved to see what that looked like. It said that he was a, um, a fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. That's some angel. I'm not sure if the pillar was the angel, the fire was the angel, or just a manifestation of God's glory but it said that's what it looked like. Uh, the, the pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites didn't approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. Francisco, here's where we sing that song. You split the sea so I could walk right through it, right? The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Walls of water. The cloud moving from the front to the back shows them that not only was God leading them, but He was defending them. Isn't that cool? Because they were vulnerable. And they had that, and that, until they got across the dry sea there, they were vulnerable. So God kept that army off their back till they could all cross. God not only leads you, but He defends you. Maybe there's somebody in your life that is a leader and a defender that God has given to you. Maybe you are called to be in your family or your friends, your job, whatever, not only a leader but a defender. So what happens next in Exodus 14, uh, verses 23 through 31? Then the Egyptians, and I, I, I don't think I have every verse in there. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud. So he's in the fire and the pillar, okay, the fire and cloud. And he threw their forces into total confusion. 
He twisted their chariot, I love this, he twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the waters rushed back into their usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one remains, survived. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. On that day, God rescued between two and three million people and drowned the whole Egyptian army. They actually says in Scripture they saw their bodies washing up on the shore. The Israelites were powerless to defend themselves, right? They needed a deliverer. At just the right time, Moses stretched out his hand. God did those mighty miracles over the Red Sea. But in our lives and in all of mankind's, for, as a gift to all of mankind, we read in Galatians 4, verse 4, Paul the Apostle tells us that when just the right time came, God sent His Son into the world to be our deliverer. Almost 1,500 years later that happened. He stretched out His hands on a wooden cross to miraculously rescue us from death, hell, and the grave. Wow. This whole deliverance from Egypt was a foreshadowing, a picture of what Jesus would do to rescue you and me and all who call on the name of the Lord from not just a Pharaoh, not just a bad job where you don't get paid. He rescued us from death, hell, and the grave. He rescued us from Satan, from sin, and from self. Is Jesus your deliverer this morning? What are some things, if He is, what are some things that He's delivered you from? Just throw them out. Alcohol. Thank you. What a good one. Oh, boy. What was that? Smoking, okay, awesome. That's a heck of an addiction, yeah. What else? Fear, ooh, big one. Thank you. Control. How many of you know that that's a tough one too? So unforgiveness? Yeah. What else? Okay, losing a, a daughter, that's grief, loss. I know how that is. I lost a son. Yeah, depression. Wow, good. These are great. I want to let you stew in this for a moment. Think about it. 
What has Jesus delivered me from? Religion, yeah. You know, Peter tells us in his second letter that we need to remember this kind of stuff. We need to remember what God has freed us from. It keeps us grounded, keeps our faith fresh. Especially some of us older guys and older ladies who've been in the Lord a long time. It's almost like you get you get into this false thinking that somehow, well, I've I'm 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 a strong Christian because somehow God knew I was better. <laughs> somehow God knew I had what it takes. Lie. Nope. That's why we need to remember. We need to remember some of the things that we're really, really ashamed we ever did. I've got a big list of them, and I try to remember them every once in a while. Even though I've been forgiven, it's good to remember. It helps us cultivate humility. Now, I put three verses up here that I want to ask you guys to pick one of the three verses. And... um, Write it down or take a picture of it with your phone or whatever you want to do. And I want you this next week at least to do one of these verses. You could do all three if you want. Just to declare it over yourself every morning for a week. This is I'm not forcing you to do it. We don't force people to do things right here. I'm just encouraging you as a pastor saying, this is going to help strengthen. It's going to help reroute something in your thinking. So I want to read these three verses out loud, and then you can kind of pick the one you want to grab a hold of. Deuteronomy 31.8, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Anybody think that's a pretty good verse to hold on to, to internalize into my life? to make maybe a theme for my life. Wow, that's a powerful, powerful verse. The truths in that verse are just... Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He's talking about uh, like a big rock fortress, a tower. He's my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. Wow. And the third thing, third verse, Psalm 139, 5, Jules in our uh, in our adult class today uh, quoted from Psalm 139. This verse 5 says, You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. If you, if you make this your verse on this week, place your hand on your head when you say it. Say it. You place your hand on my head. You know, I'm not trying to just feed you guys facts and knowledge. What we're looking for here is transformation, where he changes us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. And when we let God's word begin to be that living and active word that impacts and, and brings separation and it begins to uh, show, expose things and show us things in our heart. 
then that transformation can take place because the Spirit of God is at work in us. So as we close, just a couple other quick questions. Are you in an impossible situation today? Where unless God shows up, you're in a very dire, you're in very dire straits. That's not just a music band. Dire straits. Are you caught between your own Red Sea and the attacking enemy? Do you need to know? So that's the that's the one scenario I'm asking you about. Because this morning I want to encourage you to get some prayer. Because we need to attack some things together as the body of Christ, as the family of God. When people are in this kind of situation, the worst thing they can do is be isolated. And so that's why I'm going to ask you in a moment, if that's you, to raise your hand and we'll have some folks gather around you and pray for you. Secondly, if you're here this morning and you need to know Jesus as your deliverer, your king and your deliverer for the first time or in a greater way, you need to rededicate, you need to kind of do a reset button and start fresh with the Lord. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a minute to pray for. And then thirdly, has God called you to be a deliverer that works for Him? Has God called you to work for Him, to become a deliverer of others? If that's the case, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and I want to pray over you. So, first of all, are you in an impossible situation? Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you in between the Red Sea and the enemy? If that's you, I want to challenge you to be courageous and strong. Raise your hand. If you're in that place today, anybody that bold, say, yeah, I could use some prayer. Okay, thank you. Alan? Um, Chris, would you lay hands on Alan's shoulder, please? That's Alan, yes. <laughs> Chris met Alan last week. So, And uh, Alan shared to me that his wife, also Alinda, is not feeling well, and, and we need some answers for her, so... Let's pray for Alan, first of all. Father, we thank you for Alan, for his courage. We thank you for um, he and his family that have just moved to our area recently and um, just what the work you're doing. I thank you for his history of walking with you and seeing your faithfulness. And Lord, he's in a tough place. He started a new business. God, he is uh, living on fumes until the income starts coming in. His, 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 they don't have health insurance right now because... They're in between in transition. And God, I ask now that you would sovereignly touch his wife, Alinda, and bring healing to her. And we just bless Alan. Lord, you know what he needs to, what he needs to experience. Lord, you are his mighty deliverer. You are his rock of refuge. And we bless Alan and Alinda and their little granddaughter, Luna, their son, Nathan, and his fiancee, um, Leah. God, we bless them. We bless them and we pray, Father, that, w that they would see your mighty hand move on their behalf and they would have a powerful testimony. And we just thank you, God. We just right now just agree together that they're going to see deliverance in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Secondly, is there anybody here that either for the first time or you need to reset and start over, um, you need to make Jesus your deliverer? And stop depending on your own ability because it's getting you nowhere. If that's you this morning, I just want to challenge you to raise your hand. All right. Thank you, Lord. Whoever's next to a person, 
just reach over and put a hand on their shoulder. Thank you, Lord. Lord God, you see that hand, you see that heart. Lord, we're just thanking you right now that the blood has never lost its power. There's fresh forgiveness, fresh beginnings, washing and cleansing away the old. Father, now I just pray that you give this one, Lord, strength and grace to say, Jesus, come and lead me. Come and lead me out. Be my deliverer. I receive you again in a fresh new way. I receive your way, your will, your plan. I want to do things your way, Lord. Lead me out. Be my strength. I just thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son, my Deliverer. In Jesus' name.